Welcome to the Commodity Culture Podcast, where we interview prominent investors in the commodity space to give you the inside scoop on the emerging commodity super cycle. And now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Commodity Culture, where we break down the commodity space for both new and experienced investors. My name is Jesse Day. As always, standard disclaimer, nothing here is investing advice. Do your own due diligence. And today's guest is the CEO of Oris, a revolutionary platform that offers a new standard for tokenized precious metals. Mr. Guido Van Stein, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Jesse. It's great to be here. Yeah, happy to have you here. And I do want to get started, like I do with all new guests, with the origin story. So how did you first discover precious metals? How did that lead you to the possibilities of tokenization? of precious metals, and then to becoming the CEO of Oris? Well, it started quite a, a couple of years back. I was, um, I think, 24. I'm currently 40 years old. Um, I just sold a company here in the Netherlands, where I currently uh, reside. And um, from advice from, from friends and family, they say, hey, go into commodities. It's where everything is made of. And it sounded to me like an Indiana Jones story. So I thought, okay, this sounds amazing. I should do something with uh, precious metals, gold, silver, platinum. And um, it went quite fast from there. I set up a brokerage firm, first quite small. Later, it went to quite a, a bigger operation. Uh, I moved to London, stayed there for quite some time, uh, living in London, set up the company there. Work closely with refineries, build out a network. Um, then um, at some point, uh, that company was uh, was uh, uh, sold, and I um, moved onto a different kind of uh, uh, business in the mining space. So I uh, started uh, working with mines, uh, precious metal mines, investments, uh, uh, structured finance, and. Um, after that, I actually came into um, uh, the first blockchain kind of uh, uh, business where we were working on um, a project uh, for securitizing loans uh, using blockchain technology. And during that period, I met with uh, Dan Carnot, uh, our CTO, and he was uh, pitching me ideas about precious metals. And I already had a, more than a, a decade of experience in that area and a quite a big network. So from that point, we decided to... to uh, fly together and in getting this uh, this off the off the ground, and uh, that's how our started in uh, in 2017 uh, as merely uh, um, a white paper and 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 uh, and then two three people uh, thinking how they uh, they could make this happen. Very interesting. I do want to go down the road of the evolution of money, why precious metals are so important, and then I want to get into Oris and the blockchain side of things a little bit later. So could you walk us through the evolution of money in whatever way you'd like from the use of gold and silver for trade to the gold standard when we had gold backed paper currency and to the fiat era where we are today? Yes. Um, well, of course, uh, uh, precious metals, definitely gold and silver, always played a big part in 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 the in the, in the, uh, the trade. Eh? We go back thousands of years where already uh, gold doubloons or coins were 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 used, or even even little bit of nuggets that they were able to divide. Uh, even bronze coins, of course, were used by the by the Romans, and. Um, the fiat era where we started using fiat money, there was still, of course, a link to to the gold standard, uh, definitely to, to, during Bretton uh, Bretton Woods. 
and um, uh, it made uh, that had big dependency on the dollar, of course. And when in uh, I think in the early 70s, 71, um, uh, that came to an end. It was uh, very clear that everything was to be uh, to go to the U United States dollar, and a complete trust-based fiat system uh, was therefore created uh, and also it created the printing of money, the creation of debt and uh, enormous prosperity and growth along with it uh, because uh, debt can take profits from the future by, by capitalizing on it today. Um, it also meant that that money became less and less worth. So for the common man, uh, it was not a good, uh, a good deal unless you had a lot of it and you could invest. So... I think what you're seeing right now definitely with debts have, have been spiraling out of control and every fiat money system in the past has crashed at some point and have been replaced with something else. And gold is the, therefore the best reserve currency. Of course, it is still a currency and uh, it's non-government controlled. It has no voting rights over it. Um, and therefore, I think there will be a big role of gold again. It still has a big role, but uh, uh, behind the scenes that, that not a lot of people see. Uh, if you look at the IMF uh, trade settlement that's still going on in, in, in gold. So um, uh, I I do, don't think the gold standard will come back uh, anytime soon. I do think gold will come back as a reserve currency in a much stronger form. And I think it will happen sooner than we expect. So when we look at the state of the current fiat money system, what would you say are the main strengths and weaknesses that make it both appealing for trade and potentially a problem? Well, the big strength, of course, of a fiat-based system that, that, that currently is there is that we have the ability to, to, to create it out of thin air. So we, we can act and stimulate economies when, when shitty things happen uh, during pandemics, during financial crisis, and can act upon that accordingly. So uh, I think that that's a very um, strong case for a fiat-based system. I think if that wasn't there, crashes would be much harder. Um, I think the weakness is that it's controlled by politics and by politicians and um, uh, they um, uh, um, like to spend money faster than they can print it uh, uh, normally and that creates the, the, the biggest issue I guess because that creates inflation and an indirect taxation on, on the population. And they are the ones to suffer in that case. And, uh, you know, you have been seeing this in, in, in third world countries for, for quite a long time. But now we're also seeing it in the, the, the Western world and uh, even in the, the richer nations like the United Kingdom and also the United States, where um, elderly people on pensions are truly suffering from higher inflation, which directly, of course, is caused by the government and nothing else. So how do you see gold and silver potentially returning? You mentioned you think we could see a gold reserve currency, a gold-backed reserve currency. Um, how do you see that developing? Do you think we will see gold and silver as a form of money being traded anytime in the near future? I, I actually do. It makes a, a perfect, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, gold is non-government controlled and uh, there's a lot of distrust 
of for of a lot of people in their politicians and in their government. And um, if there is fifty percent voting from the for one side, there's fifty percent that voted for another side, and they don't like what's going on uh, with 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 their uh, uh, with their country. Uh, taking matters into your own hand, having a reserve currency in gold and silver that's available. Uh, for uh, anybody around the globe also gives a global recognizable currency that people can trade in. So uh, uh, you can trade uh, uh, gold and silver uh, from the United States to Japan or to 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 um, uh, South Africa if you want in the same denomination without uh, forex uh, uh, exchange rates in between. So I I still I think it's very important that this, it's there because it gives everybody the means to collect wealth and have it under their own control and not be exposed by the governments they'd like or dislike. So speaking of having gold as a form of money, the BRICS nations, as Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, there's other countries that are joining, other countries that are applying, kind of forming this new geopolitical alliance. And it seems that they are a full steam ahead with a gold-backed currency and, you know, the rumors are that they're going to be unveiling it, unveiling it at their meeting in August. So how viable do you think the idea of a BRICS gold-backed currency is? How quickly do you think they could implement it? And um, do you think that the U.S. will just sit by and accept this? Or do, or do you think there'll be some sort of challenge to it, whether it be an actual war, as the U.S. tends to do when their, their reserve currency or, or their power geopolitically is challenged? Or some other means. First of all, uh, I, I, it, it's good that it's a conversation uh, topic, of course, and uh, I think they have every right to 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 to, to talk about this uh, this uh, creating gold-backed um, uh, currency. Um, I don't know still how they will uh, set this up if it's going to be a currency or if it's going to be uh, in tokenized form. I don't think it will be accepted uh, even by their own population because. Uh, BRICS, uh, people living in BRICS countries also have a very big distrust of their governments. I do think they might use it as a settlement layer. So bringing back gold settlements back. If you, for instance, saw in November 2022 where Ghana announced they want to start paying for oil in gold, um, makes a lot of sense. They trade with, uh, for instance, Russia, I think they still do. Uh, settling in gold, they have it, they mine it. Uh, they don't have dollars. Uh, uh, the the high uh, uh, current uh, interest rates on the dollar makes it very difficult for these countries like Ghana to obtain dollars. So settling in gold, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's good for them. I I don't think the BRICS will use it as a real uh, redundant currency towards the US dollar or euro pound or or, or yuan. I think uh, it will be used as a settlement currency. I think that's what they will announce. Um, like I said, I don't think anybody will use a, a gold-backed currency that's introduced by any of these five uh, uh, governments because these uh, politicians are also not uh, the ones uh, with uh, the, their highest regards. So as a settlement currency, I think they will do it, and I think it will make perfect sense, and I think it will benefit a lot of countries in the regions in Africa, for instance, where they do business with. Yeah, that is a good point in terms of the distrust of the political class in those nations as well. I think people gloss over the fact that China is basically a dictatorship and Russia as well is is uh, is not exactly a free country. So uh, we, we have to keep that in mind when we're 
looking at these things. So I think that's a very practical approach to it. Um, we talked about the strengths and weaknesses of fiat. Now let's apply that same framework to precious metals. You've spoken about the strengths already, but what are some of the weaknesses that are holding gold and silver back from circulating as money, from circulating in trade? Well, I think the biggest thing, of course, is, is if you talk about money, it needs to be easy to transfer. It needs to be diver- advisable. It needs to be a unit of account, uh, a unit of uh, uh, measure in a, a unit of transfer. That is, of course, difficult if you have uh, a, a bullion uh, brick of a kilo in your hand. Um, um, the same goes for, for storage. I mean, uh, you cannot just keep a kilo gold bar in your house and um, uh, and hopefully you can monetize that someday. So it's more most safely to store it in one of the most more um, liquid uh, locations like London or Zurich or Dubai. Uh, then you have the, the transport, of course, and insurance costs. So you need to store it, you need to insure it, and in case you need to use it, you need to transport it. So these are all weaknesses if you look at, uh, at the precious metals market. Um, uh, the strengths I, I mentioned, of course, before, it's uh, one of the only uh, assets that's really non-government controlled, has no uh, voting power over it, and uh, is truly scarce if you look at the uh, uh, mining production that has... Uh, Grades have been dropping for quite a few decades and uh, uh, new uh, greenfield exploration has diminished. Uh, the, the big mining companies have mostly focused on takeovers and taking over their smaller competitors or uh, um, uh, mid-tier competitors than investing in, 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 in exploration. So going down the road, uh, there's a limited uh, supply. And... We just talked about BRICS, maybe introducing a settlement currency that will propel the price higher, also will increase uh, demand, of course. So I think these are all very positive signals for, for precious metals, uh, uh, in this case gold, and will probably propel the price uh, pretty much uh, much higher. Well, let's now move on to ORIS and the tokenization of precious metals. So for those who are unfamiliar, could you give us an overview of ORIS and how the whole process works? Yeah, of course. Well, we took quite a, a different approach than, than any other uh, project that was ever developed or is still out uh, out there. Um, first of all, uh, for my background in the precious metals industry and the network I had, I wanted to create uh, something with my uh, my uh, partner and colleagues uh, that will mimic the traditional precious metal market in a digital way. So getting the traditional market ready for this, uh, this uh, web-free um, era. Um, First, what we did is look at legislation. So instead of creating something, we worked together with the Financial Conduct Authority in the UK in creating a clear roadmap in, in what we can, uh, can and can't uh, uh, do and passed that successfully after 18 months. Um, after that, we built smart contracts. We built the whole system, introduced big partners. We have uh, the biggest refinery in Spain on board, a big refinery in the UK, one of the biggest brokers, a listed company in New York. You can all see this on our website, uh, of course. Um, and what we created there is the opportunity for traditional market players to um, um, enter this uh, blockchain web free kind of space without making this huge investment in technology, education, the whole learning funnel. And this created where they can, these uh, refineries, for instance, in Spain, they can tokenize their precious metals, fault it uh, at a third party location like Brinks or Loomis or Malka Amit. 
and um, um, uh, then can enter these digital space by having a tokenized asset. Well, these tokens are then traded on, on centralized exchanges, on decentralized exchanges. They can be used in our own app, our DeFi app. Um, the beautiful part is that you can send it at with 18 decimals around uh, behind the comma. So you can send literally $10 of gold. I can send it to you in a second or something with minimum cost. So uh, uh, that makes it a, a unit of transfer easily. There's no storage cost in the system because there's transaction cost, which will also cover the cost for, for instance, the refinery to store it. And um, um, it's quite a high-tech application that uh, that's there uh, being used. And for the refinery, so the, the, the traditional market, they can enter now, tokenize and earn passive income because part of these transactional fees funnels back uh, to the to the the, the 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 refineries that provided the metals, and the other part is going to the holders of our native token RSX. So those holders uh, can stake these tokens in our application, and then they get uh, monthly reward payments in gold, silver, and uh, and platinum. Very cool. Now, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm hearing the gold bugs in the comments already saying if you don't hold it, you don't own it. So I'm just wondering, do you do you also advocate for people holding physical precious metals as well as digital? And how can people be in, insured that their precious metals are secure when they have a tokenized version of them? First of all, I'm also an advocate uh, for, for gold coins and fiscal gold. I'm an advocate for the entire industry. And uh, I don't think um, uh, uh, anything should cannibalize a, a, a different kind of a product. We built this product not uh, for, for the, the, the users that have now a gold bar or like to stack gold or silver coins, which, uh, by the way, I have gold and silver coins myself because I really like to look at them as well. Um, this product was created for a younger demographics group. And if you see, for instance, uh, research from the World Gold Council, we have their former CEOs on our board, uh, board um, of the company. There has also been, always been a problem. How can we uh, make a product that appeals again for the younger generation, for instance, in India, um, that now instead of going for a gold jewelry or a gold coin, they buy an iPhone rather. So how can we create a product that's cool again? for, for the, this generation, for the younger generation. So where we focus on not, uh, we have three business verticals. We don't only focus on decentralized finance, but also on uh, uh, non-fungible tokens and, and gaming. Uh, we have a whole business vertical, uh, which we set up with uh, a, a person that's also on a board from Nintendo, where you can mint NFTs like gold-backed swords that you can use in games. This is gonna be launched at the end of this year. and first gaming uh, introducements in, in, uh, in the beginning of next year. And if you look at our application itself, it's non-custodial. So all the, the, the outfall you saw of the crypto markets last year, where you had centralized um, uh, uh, entity, centralized systems where people lost tokens, you cannot, that cannot happen with, with our app. Our app is non-custodial. You hold the key, so you hold the coin. So it's a similar narrative as what uh, the gold bucks normally say, uh, or gold bulls, I mean, normally say, uh, if you don't hold it, you don't own it. It's the same here. If you don't hold your keys, you don't hold the asset. So albeit the asset is digital, you still hold it because you hold the keys. So there's no interference. Nobody can interfere with it. The, the application we built is nothing more than a, uh, an interface that makes you able to connect with the blockchain. 
Um, how can people be sure that it's there? The refineries that supply the metal, for instance, Samsite, uh, centuries-old refinery, they uh, uh, don't hold the asset themselves. They need to put it in a Brinks vault or, uh, for instance, or Mokahame. And the Ours Foundation is the one that needs to sign off on these transactions so that we can see, hey, there was a kilo bar, it came in, and now it can be tokenized. There's a custody report, an audit report uh, available on all these assets. And um, we're now currently imp imp implementing a proof of reserve system with Chainlink that will also make the digital audit uh, trail physical. And at that point, you can actually see in your app, hey, I have 10 T-Gold uh, uh, tokens. Um, where do they come from? Hey, uh, a part leaf of these tokens is from a bar in London, part is from a bar in Switzerland from this refinery Reyes and uh, was put in this vault at this moment in time and a part came from in a vault in Dubai. So you have a full traceability of the, the tokens as well, which makes it very, very transparent, of course. What do you see as the ultimate potential of tokenized precious metals? Could this actually in the future become a way to transact in gold and silver? Do you see the possibility down the road of certain online retailers accepting tokenized gold and silver, perhaps it eventually coming into the real world where stores would actually allow you to transact. Um, what, what is the ultimate goal of Oris and tokenized precious metals? I don't think you need to see it as the goal of Oris because we are quite a community-driven uh, company. It's, it, it's what the people in the end want. Uh, do they want... Uh, um, uh, NFTs and gaming to be combined, or do they want uh, to pay on Amazon.com with T-Gold? Um, uh, if the demand is there, we will build it and we will provide the technology It's there. I mean, we are working now to integrate MasterCard in the, in the app. So you have a virtual uh, MasterCard available to almost everybody around the world. And then you can just take your T-Gold. Uh, it's already in your app. It's yours. You have the keys. And you can just use your Apple Pay or uh, um, uh, Google Pay to, to pay for your coffee uh, using the, their network. Very cool. I want to touch on central bank digital currencies to kind of wrap up the conversation because there's a lot of rumors swirling about them. There's a lot of concerns. Um, I spoke recently with Andy Schechtman, uh, CEO of Miles Franklin on my show, and he said he thinks they may actually back a CBDC with gold. So do you think countries might actually be moving in that direction, perhaps even in response to the BRICS currency? And would that help restore trust to something that a lot of people are viewing as kind of a totalitarian, dystopian direction for the financial system to be going in? I can actually answer this quite shortly. Uh, as long as money is controlled by politician, trust will not be there. Right. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Guido. Before I let you go, do you have any final words you'd like to share about Oris with the audience? Um, well, I, I definitely think everybody should have a look, even the, 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 the gold boosted like uh, to invest in fiscal. I'm a fiscal bullion investor uh, as well. This is a, a, a product that, that needs to exist besides the, the, the physical market. It's to make the, 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 the demand for gold and silver bigger. It's not taking a slice of the pie of the current uh, current market. So it's not competing with ETFs. It's not competing with gold coins or, or fiscal uh, uh, bars. Um, 
We currently have quite a nice offer on the website as well. Um, uh, when you can uh, join uh, the system, you get some uh, nice uh, ecosystem tokens in uh, in your wallet. And um, um, uh, yeah, I hope um, a lot of people will just try it out, have a look. And uh, we have a, a customer service team. So if there are any questions, uh, they can always uh, uh, ask them uh, directly in our social media channels or uh, via our customer service desk. Great. Well, I'll put a link in the description below to the Oris website and social media channels for people who want to check that out. Thank you once again, Guido, for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge with our audience. Thank you so much, uh, Jesse, and we'll talk soon. Commodity Culture is a podcast that covers investing in commodities and natural resources. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to subscribe so you are always alerted of the latest episodes.